Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Thanks for joining us today for episode 77 as the week rolls on here in Southern California. And I'm feeling good today. I'm happy that it's a game day. It's been over a week since we've had a game at Honda Center. And that kind of feels weird since we had so many games in the month of March. And you can't forget that eight game homestand that we also had to close it out. But I'm ready for these final four home games that we have. But there's going to be some difficult opponents in these games. Starting with tonight's game, the Pacific Division foe Edmonton Oilers will be here. There's only three NHL games that will be played tonight, and the Ducks are one of them. Now, looking at the matchups that they've had with the Oilers this season, the Ducks won the first meeting back on December 17th, 4-3. to And we can't forget Lukasz Dostal in that game as he had 46 saves. It was a really good game for him. But since then, Edmonton has won the last two matchups, including Saturday's loss on the road in Edmonton. They're looking to round out the season series tonight in this one and hopefully get a win. And then they look ahead to next week, the final week of the NHL regular season, starting with the Colorado Avalanche in town on Sunday, then the Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday and closing it out with the LA Kings on Thursday. It will be a good test to finish out the season for the Ducks. Not to mention the last road game of the season will be this Saturday in Arizona, an afternoon game, 2.30 puck drop. But the team will have a boost back in their lineup starting tonight against Edmonton. Troy Terry will be taking the ice after he missed the last three games when the Ducks were on the road so he could stay back for personal reasons to be with his wife, Danny, as they await the birth of their first child. Now he's going to be a part of the remaining home games and practices through the end of the season. So that's important to note. So he'll just miss that game on Saturday against Arizona. And then also we are going to see Adam Henrique back in the lineup for the first time since February 21st. He played 57 games this season with the team and has 19 goals and 14 assists to give you a little refresher since it's been a little bit since we've seen Rico. And this is important to note that both of these guys will be playing tonight because they are impactful players. Their leadership on the ice and their presence in the lineup is very important for the Ducks. So I'm glad to see that we will have them against a tough Oilers team. And a last piece of news for Anaheim. They announced on Tuesday that the team was reassigning Andre Schuster back to the San Diego Gulls. The team had called him up to be on the road trip last Wednesday, the 29th. However, he did not get any playing time. And let's move ahead now to go coast to coast with goal calls from Tuesday night's NHL slate of games, beginning with the Florida Panthers and Buffalo Sabres. The Panthers took an important two to one win over the Sabres at FLA Live Arena, and that moved them back into the wild card spot. Matthew Kachuk had the game winner 59 seconds into the third period. And their goaltender, Alex Lyon, had 39 saves on the night. On the other side, though, Buffalo's goaltender, Devin Levi, had 34 saves in only his second NHL game. 
Now, Florida is tied with the Islanders for 87 points right now and is on a four-game win streak. This is coming at just the right time as they're really pushing to get one of those wild card spots. It's between the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins right now. You can listen to the call of Kachuk's goal from Doug Pleggins. Now behind the net, Jeff Skinner able to regather far corner, lost it to Kachuk. Panthers keep it alive, Lundell, right point, Montour, shot, tip, they score! It was tipped in front, and it was Matthew Kachuk who got a piece of that, and the Panthers have a 2-1 lead, 59 seconds into the third And the Nashville Predators also had an important win for themselves on Tuesday when they took down the Western Conference leading Vegas Golden Knights in overtime 3-2. I had this one on my TV last night, and I have to tell you, the Preds really wanted it as they were in their home environment. And at 3.30 in overtime, Cody Glass, during a four-on-three power play, took a shot down low on goaltender Jonathan Quick, and the puck went in the back of the net. There was a lot of patience on the play. I really liked it, including the pass from Tommy Novak. Why was this such a big win? Well, it keeps the Predators within reach of a wild card spot as they are now three points back of the Winnipeg Jets. You can hear the exciting goal call from Pete Weber now of Cody Glass's winner. Looking back out for Barry. Right circle, given back to Barry out high. Well, they need to get a rotation. Novak, low left with it. Try to get his friend and score! Predators win in overtime! 3-2! And the Colorado Avalanche are heading back to the Stanley Cup playoffs as their quest for the Cup continues after they took down the San Jose Sharks on the road in overtime 4-3. Nathan McKinnon earned his 98th and 99th points in regulation with an assist on Evan Rodriguez's goal in the first period and then a goal of his own in the second. But it was his overtime breakaway goal that sealed the deal and gave him his 100th career point this season. This is the first time in his career that he's reached the 100-point mark, and he's the first Avalanche player to get that mark since Joe Sackick did in the 2006-2007 season. What an accomplishment for an outstanding player. And this is also his franchise record 10th career overtime goal. So a lot of stats about McKinnon on Tuesday night. And Connor McGahee had the call of the clinching winner from McKinnon. Stolen away. Clearing attempt. Could sure block. McKinnon tried to get it down low for Taves. And now it's Taves who can't get it from McKinnon. Sent ahead. This overtime has been extremely sloppy. Turnover again. Off the wall. Here comes McKinnon. He's on a breakaway. It all alone. McKinnon. He scores! Nathan McKinnon in one fell swoop is a member of the Century Club and has the most overtime winners in franchise history. And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over. Nathan McKinnon on a breakaway in overtime gets his second goal of the game, his 100th point of the season. That is his new career high in a building where he had his previous career high. 
There is no longer a tie for overtime winners in franchise history. Nathan McKinnon sits all alone at the top, and Colorado gets the extra point in Northern California. Final score from the Shark Tank. Colorado 4 and the Sharks 3. So now there are 12 teams that have clinched a postseason berth. It's good to note, though, that Colorado winning on Tuesday night keeps the Central Division all tied up at the top between the Avalanche, the Stars, and the Wild. They each have 98 points right now, so that's going to be a race till the end. And now to wrap up today's coast-to-coast goal calls, I love overtime hockey, so that's how we're finishing it off today. The Carolina Hurricanes taking down the Ottawa Senators 3-2 for their 50th win on the season at PNC Arena in Raleigh on Tuesday night. The Canes are working on extending their lead in the Metropolitan as the season closes out, as they now have 109 points, just three ahead of the New Jersey Devils. In a play that started in their own zone, Seth Jarvis entered into Ottawa's zone and then left the puck in the middle for Martin Natchez, who buried it down the middle with 41 seconds left in the extra period of play. This was the third win in a row now for the Hurricanes, and Mike Maniscalco shared the goal call of the winner. Chases after it. Ronson comes all the way out, helps it around for Burns. Burns leaves it for Jarvis. 47 seconds left in overtime. Jarvis now with speed, backing off Ottawa into the center zone. Drop for Natchez, he scores! Natchez in overtime again, and the Canes win it 3-2! I know I mentioned it in the last episode, episode number 76, but the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets will be facing off tonight, that being Wednesday night. I would say that is the other big game to watch to see who might get the upper hand in the Western Conference wildcard race, besides, of course, the Ducks and Oilers game tonight. Now, as the voice of the IIHF World Junior Championships, Gord Miller has seen plenty of talent over the years. He also has an extensive background covering other international events and some of hockey's biggest moments. I'm excited to have him join us today, so take a listen. Welcome to Light the Lamp Now for the first time, TSN's Gord Miller. Gord, great to have you here with us today on DuckStream. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. I wish I was doing it in Southern California, where it <laughs> sounds like it's pretty nice weather, but I can live with this. <laughs> where are you at? I'm in Toronto. Okay, so a little colder. I'm heading, to, heading, to, heading to Florida, though, so that's that's encouraging. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you're getting some sunshine. Um, well, first off, I wanted to congratulate you because I saw that this is now your 40th year in broadcasting, and I just thought that was a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's gone that quickly, but yeah, it's uh, it's been an amazing run. I've had a lot of fun along the way, and um, and uh, I hope I got lots more in me. And it seems like this was always kind of the dream for you since you started. Yeah, I think so. I you know I remember watching games. I remember watching like a, a football game and saying to someone like, "What does that broadcaster do during the week? Like, is he a teacher or something?" Like, <laughs> "No, that's his job." And I was kind of like, wait, you can do that for a job? Well, that's what I want to do. 
<laughs> I feel like that's how a lot of it begins for a lot of broadcasters. I, yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> Wait, that's a that's a job? Okay. <laughs> and the best part about it is some of the people that you meet along the way, too. Yeah. And I know you've had a lot of awesome partners throughout the years. But what is your relationship like with some of those people in the hockey world? Well, you know, from a, from a broadcast partner perspective, it's been amazing. And, and certainly, you know, Mike Johnson, who I work with mostly now, Ray Ferraro for the last decade or so, Bob McKenzie for 30 plus years have been among the people that are, are not just great colleagues, but great friends. We've traveled all over the world together, had a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and certainly I think one of the best things about the game is the people you meet in it. And mm -hmm. that's, that's always been, you know, I mean, Paul Correa is one of my favorite people in the sport and I got to know him you know, early on in his career playing in the Olympics and everything else. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just think that, you know, that's one of the best things about it is the people you meet along the way. Do you have any Paul Korea stories? <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> well, yes. Um, our fans love he, to hear them. <laughs> he, lo he loves in and out burger. Okay. So we've, we've gone there a few times, but it was funny. I was there, uh, Ray Ferraro and I were there, um, a couple of years ago now, and I texted Paul and said, "Hey, do you want to, you know, meet for for dinner?" He said, "Yeah, I know this really good sushi place." So he gives me directions. He gives me the address, and Ray and I are driving like on these back roads, and like there's this sort of strip mall, like but like not really a strip mall. It's like tattoo parlors and <laughs> all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like, he's punking us. He's totally like he's sending us in the middle of nowhere as a joke. And we, we pulled up to the address and there's like this sort of nondescript little place and it's Paul's favorite sushi place in Orange County, mm. but they don't like it when it gets too popular. Okay. <laughs> like they don't like it when, when people talk about it too much. Mm -hmm. So we, we went up and it was quite busy and Paul's like, oh, they won't like this. Too, <laughs> too busy. They must be the only restaurateurs in the world who worry that it's too busy. And it was unbelievable. But yeah, Paul is... Um, really unchanged from when I first met him. Like he's very, he's, he's just very down to earth. Um, not a lot of, you know, doesn't drive a super fancy car. Doesn't, you know, he just, he's just a very down to earth, regular person who was an extraordinary hockey player mm -hmm. and, um, and a really good person, just a really a good person of integrity who I've always really enjoyed being around. That's awesome. And you talked about all of your travels all over the world, having, covered so many different tournaments and everything over the years. Uh, do you have a favorite place that you've been to? You know, I get asked that. I, <laughs> I don't really, I, there's been, there's so many, I mm -hmm. think, I think, uh, I think the vibe of hockey in Europe is just so different than North America. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way the arenas are the, the, at the world junior championship, the world championship, the Olympics, just the, the sort of beer garden outside the festival inside is very different than what we're used to in North America. And I really enjoy that. And you have been the voice of the world junior championship for a number of years. And I have to think that there's been a lot of amazing moments over those years, but one of them in particular had to have been Mason McTavish's save and then going on to Kent Johnson's goal. Uh, what, what was that like for you? I still can't believe that happened. <laughs> I, I, I look at that and I say, did that really happen? Uh -huh. And uh, I think one of the most amazing things about that was the reaction of the crowd. Mm -hmm. 
And and so, you know, he he bats it down. It kind of bumps in the air. He he slaps it away. And we were sort of we were on the blue line in that end. So kind of went to that. Was that in? <laughs> and so the crowd kind of cheered. But there's this buzz. And, and a lot of fans in front of us are looking back at us going like, did that go in the net? Mm-hmm. And we're like, I don't think so. <laughs> and, and then, of course, right away down the ice, and and Johnson scores. It, it was an incredible moment, and I, it's just, it's it's an it's an astonishing thing on so many levels. Mm-hmm. You know, Bedard kind of holds the guy's stick up so he can't get a good shot away. The hands played by McTavish, and then Kent Johnson with the winner. It, it's it really is one of those extraordinary things you'll ever see. Did you comprehend it in the moment at all, or did it hit you more well, after yeah. the game? No, I, I think you knew right away that that was really that was something very special. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, I've, I've called lots of golden goals, but but not preceded by a game saving play like that. Mm-hmm. In watching Mason McTavish and now that he's up with the Ducks and having his season here, uh, you know, how has your perspective of him, you know, seeing him at that level and now where he's at with Anaheim, you know, what is your take on how he's progressed? Well, I think one of the things you wonder is, you know, when a player dominates in junior like that, is it because they're just more physically mature? Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes guys are just, you know, bigger, stronger at that age than, than other players of, in that category. And in McTavish's case, it doesn't seem like that. He His hockey sense and his hands really set him apart. I, I think I honestly believe that he'll be wearing a letter uh, at some point for Anaheim. I, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a foundational player for them. And another guy that was a part of World Juniors for the Ducks, Trevor Zegras, back a couple years mm. now. Um, watching him progress too, to now where he's at with the Ducks. Uh, what have you thought about his play over the years, and you know the flashiness that he brings to the NHL as a whole? Yeah, he certainly brings that. He brings mm-hmm. the flashiness and and the style and the highlight reel and all that. I think what you're looking for from any young player is consistency. Mm-hmm. But what you want to see from a young player's consistency, I think it's coming for him. And and I think, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that's got obviously high, high end skill. And so that's hard to find. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think you build around that, but what you want to see is you want to see that consistency every night. It's hard to do. It's, it's, it's the best league in the world. It's hard to be consistent every night. And of course you already mentioned him, but Connor Bedard, you've watched him. <laughs> he's the name that everyone knows now, even maybe the casual hockey fan have heard Mm. his name at this point. Um, What can he bring? I mean, it's talked about, but from your perspective, what can he bring? Well, I think the first thing he has is a world-class shot. Mm -hmm. He he has a Joe Sackick release. Joe Joe had the best shot I've ever seen. Turns a wrist shot that was accurate and hard. Bedard may be next level to that because just, his his innate ability, the stick technology, all of it. He's got four different wrist shots he can use, and they're all deadly accurate and hard. There's that. His hockey sense is is off the charts. His mm-hmm. ability to sort through things, see plays, and make them is astonishing. And I think his competitiveness. He has that drive that you see in the great players, the need to be great every single night. And that's really hard to do. And, and, you know, I, I've said often that I saw, I saw Wayne Gretzky play 500 times in person. Mm-hmm. And the number of times you could say, yeah, he didn't really have it tonight, maybe a couple of dozen. 
And and you feel that way with Bedard. That every night he brings it. I mean, you're seeing it right now in the Western Hockey League playoffs. I mean, Regina barely. I mean, Regina's not a great team. The one he plays for. Right. They barely get into the playoffs. Now they're up two games to one on a heavy favorite in, in Saskatoon, and Bedard is dragging them into that series. You know, he had five points of the night. They're up two games to one. So I mean, here here he goes again, right? So he is one of those rare players that every time you go to the rink, you think. What's he going to do tonight? What am I going to see tonight that I haven't seen before? And uh, that's a that's a rare thing. He's not the biggest guy, mm-hmm. um, but there is will there and skill that is off the charts. It almost sounds like there might not be a ceiling for him as he grows into the next level at, for his as a hockey player. I think you got to be the one thing I would say is you know he's eighteen, right? So let's let's be careful, you know, before we expect him to walk into the league and dominate. Mm-hmm. You know, Sidney Crosby was good his first year as an 18-year-old. It took a while to to really assert himself as the kind of player that that we've we've seen him become now. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, the shot alone, I think he's going to score 40 goals year after year, mm-hmm. just in his sleep. <laughs> And then beyond that, there's going to be, there's, as you said, there's, there's a much higher seal. Mm-hmm. Well, one other uh, Ducks prospect that I'd like to talk about too, that just was a part of the world juniors, uh, Olin Zellweger. How mm-hmm. did he contribute on the ice and what do you foresee in his future too? So he's interesting because again, not the biggest guy, mm-hmm. um, but a really high, high end offensive talent. And I think the way the game has gone the last, couple of seasons you know last year was the highest scoring season in the nhl in 30 years and i think we're looking at it being even higher scoring this year that a premium on puck moving offensive defenseman is there so you've got you know jimmy drysdale will be back next year mm-hmm. coming off the shoulder surgery you've got an olin zellweger who probably will need a, a year or two in the minors to get ready for the nhl but those kind of players are going to be at an absolute premium they're, they're hard to find and and i think that zellweger is a guy that again with competitiveness and skill That'll be his calling card in the NHL. Now, looking at the NHL right now, as we get towards the end of the season, there seems to be a lot of storylines happening, especially on the wild card end. But what mm-hmm. are some that you are keeping your eye on? Well, I think a couple. The, the ascension of Colorado, right? The, mm-hmm. the avalanche of battle through injuries. And, and um, you know, at, at one point they had six regulars out. They were just scrapping for a playoff spot. I don't think they had their, well, they haven't had their full lineup all year. I don't mm-hmm. think they, they haven't had, you know, the 18 skaters that they would have projected at the start of the year to be together in the lineup. Um, so that's one. I think Boston's dominance in the East, you know, we're looking at one of the greatest regular seasons in NHL history. Now the last team to have one of those was Tampa in 2019. They got swept in the first round by Columbus. So mm-hmm. I think it'd be really interesting to see if, if Boston can carry on that, Amazing regular season into the playoffs. There's a whole bunch of things that go into playoffs, except staying healthy is one of them. You know, getting breaks is another. But but Boston looks like a really, really good team. And then on the wild card side, you know, the longest playoff streaks right now, active are Pittsburgh, 16 straight years, Nashville and Washington, eight straight. All three of them could miss the playoffs, mm-hmm. which is really a remarkable thing. When it comes down to it, I mean, what teams do you think will be, it's hard to predict, but what teams do you think could be competitive in this postseason? 
Well, I think what's really interesting is that in the West, you know, there's open questions about almost everyone's goaltending, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what's what's Vegas going to do in goal? Edmonton's got, you know, Stuart Skinner, who's a, a rookie. Um, you know, Colorado with Georgiev, who's largely untested in the playoffs. There's, I mean, really, there aren't a lot of dominant goaltenders on the Western side. In the East, you know, Boston's goaltending's unproven. Vasilevsky in Tampa is a star. He's a Bezda Trophy winner. He's a Conspite Trophy winner. He's a star. Um, you know, Igor Shosturkin in New York had a great year last year. You know, he's been up and down this year. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's really intriguing in that sense. But, you know, what's interesting in the East is you've got real power from, from top to bottom and some good teams are going to lose out early. Yeah, I think the the matchups is going to be the one of the more interesting storylines of to see yeah. who plays in the first round in particular because we we really don't know because of that wild card right now. Yeah, we know Tampa, Toronto, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's going to be intriguing on its own. And they play next week before the playoffs start. But yeah, it's wide open. I mean, you know, Florida, uh, Pittsburgh, the Islanders in that mix for that last wild card spot in the East, and the race in the West. You know, Winnipeg and. Uh, and uh, Calgary played tonight mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a key game there. So what's interesting to me, too, is that teams near the bottom of the standings have kind of thrown a stick in people's spokes as well. Right. Uh, you know, Chicago winning last night against Calgary. So there's been that element of as well. Gord Miller, so glad to have you join us today on DuckStream. Thank you. My pleasure. Good to see you. And now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. If you're coming out to the Ducks game tonight, it is our Go Green Night at Honda Center to highlight community and organizational efforts to promote sustainability and eco-friendly practices. This is also a part of the NHL Green Initiative that has been around since 2010. Fans are also encouraged to bring one aluminum can or plastic bottle to the game tonight to donate to benefit Ryan's recycling and Project 3R's recycling efforts. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more Hockey Talk on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.